This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters March 13th. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. The words of the Lord as recounted in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Why is this important? Because we need to remember as Christians who the Lord God is. There is no other God besides our triune God. Our God reigns. Now, why do I start out the show talking about that? Because there is a very disturbing development among those who are concerned about the problem of interfaith dialogue. You know that I have addressed this issue before in the past. We have seen more of this coming up. It was a few months ago, I think it was, that this group called Neighborly Faith had this event at Wheaton College, and it was about bringing together Christians and Muslims for interfaith dialogue. And right away, Bible-believing Christians had their red flags go up and say, what What are you doing? What are, what's going on now? Well, here's the latest. Via Baptist Press, more than a 1,000 Thousand attendees gathered for an event Thursday at North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina, to hear J.D. Greer and Omar Suleiman discuss current issues facing American culture related to Christianity and Islam. As you know, Greer serves as pastor of the Summit Church, but more than that, he is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. There, in a nutshell, is what's going on. The Southern Baptist Convention's president, who represents some 15 million Christians across the country and is subscribed to all of the official documents of the Southern Baptist Convention is having an interfaith dialogue with not just any Muslim. And I'm going to get into some background on Omar Suleiman along the way here as we talk about this. But just very briefly, he is an Islamist cleric. He's a professor at Southern Methodist University. He's the founder of the Akeen Institute for Islamic Research. But he was very controversial because last year he had given an invocation in front of the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, and Representative Lee Zeldin had pointed out He compares Israel to the Nazis and calls them terrorists. He supports the Muslim Brotherhood. He incites violence, calling for a Palestinian antifada and the end of Zionism, which is diametrically opposed, I should say, to the stated beliefs of the Southern Baptist Convention. I want to play for you, though, as much audio as I can from this in particular so you can hear what J.D. Greer had to say. And it's all about hope in the current age. And let's just have a dialogue. Let's just have a conversation here. So let's go to this first cut. This is when J.D. Greer was asked for the reasons he wanted to do the interfaith dialogue. Listen to cut one. One is that civically, uh, we understand that we live in a country that we're grateful that we believe in the you know, freedom of religion, and that means that we need to be able to, um, to, to not only get along with, but to cherish and to stand alongside of and, and even fight for people who, who believe different things than we do. And uh, we're grateful for the Muslim neighbors that God has given us, and we want to advocate for their, um, their, their protection, their rights, their interests as, as much as we would as if they were our own. And, uh, you know, I just feel like too often, and I'm sure we'll get into this tonight, there's, there's a polarization as if it's other, 
you know, it's like we got one community and, and another community, but really, um, civically, we, we are citizens of a place and we want to, um, to serve and love each other. That's one. Okay, we need to be able to not only get along with, but to cherish, cherish people who believe different things than we do and fight for them. And in particular, he's talking about Muslims. We have to cherish Muslims and fight for Muslims to believe different things than we do. That's the opening salvo here. So Greer also says he has spent time in the Muslim world and his wife made him say yes to this interfaith dialogue. And then Suleiman has this to say and Greer reveals something else. Listen to cut two. Uh, he took my two reasons. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I want to convey greetings to everyone on behalf of Zion Williamson. Zion was in uh, Dallas. It's the wrong night, place so to say that. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> Way to lose the crowd right yeah, away. Right. Hey, I will tell him this. I, uh, we found out over dinner that Omar and I have a mutual friend in Matt Chandler. Yeah. Um, and so some of you know Matt Chandler. He's a pastor out uh, yeah. where Omar Absolutely. lives in Texas. So I took a picture and sent it to Matt. And Matt immediately texted back and said, that's good people right there. Yeah. Uh, he said, you guys are pretty close. He said, he said he's a great guy, except his words, not mine. If, if the fact that he is a rabid LSU fan, which is kind of annoying and makes him a punk. That's what he said. So. <laughs> that's the forum. Okay, did you catch that? I contacted J.D. Greer, says Matt Chandler, who is a major pastor of the Village Church in the Dallas area, uh, on the, I think it was the board of the ERLC f- until recently. And when Matt Chandler found out that this radical Islamist cleric was going to be doing an interfaith dialogue with J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, his response about Suleiman was, that's good people right there. Is that a problem? Greer also said the dialogue helps us not to hate. Cut three. It's a lot harder to uh, hate and stigmatize somebody or a group of people when you've looked in the face of people that you call friends. Um, I first entered this conversation when I lived over in a um, a majority Muslim country. And so when I came back to the United States and things had heated up with uh, the discussions because of uh, just 9-11, various things that happened, and then you started to see just categorizations and stigmatization, in my mind, the first thing that pops when you say Muslim is one of my friends, Abdullah, and another friend of mine, Tarmizi. And, and I just, you know, I'm like, this that I'm hearing in terms of general terms and these individuals, that doesn't, doesn't match up. And so I think conversations like this one benefit, benefit everybody. Whose side are you on, J.D.? Do you really believe that all Americans, or in particular all Christians, hate Muslims? Because that's not true. That's not at all true. Then he discusses what discourages him in our present context. This is cut four. One of the things that I, uh, kind of on top of all this, am discouraged with in the Christian community um, is I feel like one of the greatest challenges for us is remembering that the weapons and the strategies of the world are not things that uh, the church is really supposed to engage in. That's not how the kingdom of God is supposed to be brought in. You know, we have a savior who consistently resisted all efforts to, to bring in the kingdom of God militarily or politically. Um, you know, we want to be an influence, yes, on our government. We want to be influence in society like salt and light. But that's different than, than launching a strategy that is, you know, trying to take over or uh, trying to, you know, turn a, a nation into a, a Christian nation. Yeah, you certainly wouldn't want the president of the Southern Baptist Convention to be in favor of a Christian nation, would you? That would be just wrong. Did you mean Sharia is a problem, J.D.? Did you mean Sharia? Because that's what your friend there on the stage actually wants to impose on the United States. He's all for Sharia and the caliphate. 
But instead, J.D. Greer goes against people who want to have a Christian nation. And by the way, I don't know any Christian who wants to establish a theocracy in the United States of America. We're just trying to preserve the freedoms that are under fire right now. But it, how, how disgraceful is it that the president of the Southern Baptist Convention is slamming Christians? Why don't you go after the caliphate and the radical Muslims who are threatening our security and the security of Christians worldwide? Oh, no, no, we can't do that. that. That's not in keeping with interfaith dialogue. So let's see. Let's go to one more cut. Cut five. Because of that, I think, you know what, because what happens, you know, is, as Christians in America have seen some of these things and they've, they, they've noticed this, they've reacted with this kind of posture of fear of like, okay, the foundations are being shaken and, and, and we're no longer, our message is no longer welcome. And, and things that 50 years ago, everybody agreed on about marriage, for example, now it's actually, you're ostracized if you believe that. And because of this posture of fear, it's caused them to do, I think, two very unhealthy things. One is you begin to excuse or rationalize the faults of, say, a strong man who comes in to offer protection. And you say, well, it doesn't matter what he or she, uh, as the case may be, what he or she does, if they're going to give me protection, then it justifies that. I'm not even going to talk about the faults. And it causes this witness that is just, it's just very confused, you know, because it's like we're more concerned with this political and military strategy or this political protection than you are, you know, the real message of, uh, of the gospel. It also causes you, as Omar, I think, uh, alluded to, to react with fear to people who are on the outside. Like we need to kind of huddle up and this is who we are and this is, we need to protect this and this is those things when those are just, both of those are values that are antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whose side is he on? Again, I ask this question. Trump's a strong man. Christians are full of fear. It's unhealthy. Honestly, whose side is this man on? There's a lot more to come. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us on Janet Mefford today. Story Company comes, I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe reminds us that amidst life storms, true hope can be found in Christ. He chose to walk into the fire with her. That's what love is. If one person's life is changed by what I go through, it will all be worth it. I Still Believe. Starring KJ Apa, Britt Robertson, Shania Twain, and Gary Sinise. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. In theaters March 13th. More information is at istillbelievemovie.com. Christians losing their businesses for not making wedding cakes for homosexuals. Parents losing custody for not affirming their child's gender identity. Big tech censoring Christian books, videos, and social media posts. This isn't a dystopian nightmare. It's America in 2020. But what will God's people do to respond to the sexual radicals whose rising social and political power is threatening our religious freedom and our free speech? It's time for Christians to get informed about the looming threats that we're facing and learn how to respond as both salt and light. That's why I'd like to personally invite you to join me at our second annual God's Voice Conference, a biblical response to LGBTQ plus tyranny coming to Oklahoma City on April 17th and 18th. You'll hear from an unprecedented lineup of some of the leading Christian thinkers, pastors, pro-family activists, and medical and therapeutic experts who are fighting on the front lines of this battle and standing firmly on God's word in the face of growing LGBTQ plus opposition to Christianity. Let me tell you, there's nothing else 
like God's Voice Conference to get Christians ready to stand in this evil day. So I hope to see you at the God's Voice Conference and outreach of First Stone Ministries, April 17th and 18th in Oklahoma City. And take advantage of our early bird discount registration, only $85 through March 16th. So don't delay. Go to godsvoice.us. That's godsvoice.us and register for a conference unlike any other. Go to godsvoice.us and register now. What the church needs now is God's voice. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now here's Janet. I am more than a little disturbed that the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, which has passed nine resolutions, I think it is, on supporting Israel over the years, sat down for an interfaith dialogue at North Carolina State University late last week with Omar Suleiman, an Islamist cleric professor at SMU. Uh, He appeared recently at a Bernie Sanders rally in Mesquite, Texas, and urged people to donate to Bernie. He believes that Zionists are the enemies of God, and he's called for the destruction of Israel. And J.D. instead went after Christians because you voted for Trump. You see how this works? The Trump supporters, they're full of fear. They're unhealthy. They have a problem. I'm not, you cannot make this up. That's why I'm playing all of this audio for you. So you can see what the president of the Southern Baptist Convention is saying about his own side. Honestly, it's shameful. Now, let's go on with this. J.D. Greer kept hammering conservatives and implying that he would never be involved with any political agenda because he's too gospel-centered. But This is just unbelievable. Listen to this. Cut six. We know that salvation is not going to come to the earth riding on the wings of Air Force One. Uh, you know, regardless of who's in the cockpit of Air Force One or who's in the back. Um, you know, we know that, uh, you know, it's not a donkey or a, uh, an elephant that's a savior. You know, we're, we're, we're the party of the lamb, if you want to say it that way. Um, so, you know, we, we just realize that we're supposed, and, and that's supposed to give us this license to be able to correct and to speak prophetically. But when you are owned, whether it's on the left or right, then you've lost that prophetic voice because now your interests are tied up. I'm supposed to say, I, I'm not really dependent on a Republican or a Democrat or anybody You know, in the position I'm in now, you get invited to be a part of certain discussions, um, you know, with with politicians. And Omar, I know you're in there a lot, too. And and, uh, you know, when I get invited into these, uh, in fact, you got invited, you know, um, to to be in one in in Washington. And just tell them, I'm like, I just want to be really clear. I'm not coming to be a part of your platform. I'm not going to be in the Rose Garden in a picture behind you. Right. I'm not going to do anything that's going to imply that I stand with you, but I wouldn't do that for your adversary either. If I come up there, it's it's to be someone who says, thus says the Lord. This is what this is what God's word says. And I think we've lost that because the hope has been transferred to a political solution to you know where things are rather than than a gospel solution in the church. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there it is. There it is. So basically, he's separating himself from any association with Donald Trump. It's obvious when he talks that way. But how ironic is this? Oh, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't be a photo op backer for anybody, whether it's a donkey or an elephant. I'm not going to get involved in any sort of political compromise. I would be the thus says the Lord guy. Well, it might be a good time, J.D. Greer, to bring out the thus says the Lord line as you're sitting next to a radical cleric who wants to destroy Israel. Might that be a good time to turn around and say, thus says the Lord? Oh, no, no, we're having dialogue. 
Maybe interfaith dialogue. You can't do that during interfaith dialogue, Janet. You've got to be very, very friendly and apologetic and tell the Muslim how terrible Christians are because they voted for Trump and they're full of fear and, and they would rather trust an Air Force One and the strong man. It, it's just incredible to me to listen to this stuff. So then J.D. Greer is asked whether or not he believes that Christian values are under attack in America. This is cut seven. I don't think there's really any way to deny that on some level, um, because the predominant religion in the United States right now that is enthroned in our universities and in the media and in Hollywood and the New York Times is secularism. And that's every bit of religion as anything else, because it's a a worldview with a set of values and a set of right and wrong and a set of even its own forms of secular salvation. And anything that teaches contrary to that is considered to be, you know, is considered to be outside. And so I think recognizing that. Now, I I do want to say this, and I'm not trying to to just be, you know, politically correct. I, I do understand that for an American Christian, particularly a white Christian, that there is still, you know, a, a heritage and a place of, of privilege that I would have in this culture. And so I wouldn't try to just equate and say, oh, everything that you experienced, we, we got it way worse or anything like that, or even on the same level. Because I think, you know, as, as, as I talked to Omar and others, I mean, there are some things that they, they deal with that are assumptions and stereotypes that are unfair and that I would never want uh, one of my own children to be subjected to. Oh, great. Bring in critical race theory. Is it an analytical tool? Here is Resolution 9 at the last Southern Baptist Convention put out there as, you know, to the world that we're all about critical race theory in the Southern Baptist Convention as an analytical tool because he had to wind in the white privilege reference. I mean, I don't know what Muslims go through. I mean, I don't know how... It's embarrassing to listen to this. This guy is the president of the largest evangelical denomination in the United States, and he's stammering and he's apologizing and he's bashing his own side. Meanwhile, we all know what the Muslim Brotherhood uses interfaith dialogue for. And it's not only to convert Christians potentially to Islam, but it's to rally Christians against Israel and it's to divide and conquer the church. Because if you can take the leftist realm of either the Catholic Church or the Protestant wing, you can divide and conquer. Put the pit the leftists against those right wing nuts in the Southern Baptist Convention. They're loving it. They're, I mean, they're loving it. They're loving it. The Muslim radicals who are all into interfaith dialogue, who talk about it's all about being friends, it's all about being buddies. I, I didn't hear any buddy buddy talk from from the other side. It was all JD Greer. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're so terrible. We're, now listen to the pandering here. This is cut eight. I do want to create a, I do think we need to acknowledge that friends like, like Omar and some of his friends, they, they deal with some things that we don't have to deal with. And that needs some appreciation and some humility on our part to listen and to learn. Yeah. What do you think about that? Omar? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that gives me a lot of hope. We should just cut the forum right now. Yeah. Cut the forum right now because with friends like Omar, I mean, and his friends, it's just, it's life is great. Life is great. You want to make friends with people who attend conferences or speak at conferences, uh, keynote fundraisers for care like Suleiman Hizdan, the unindicted co-conspirator in the Hamas funding trial. He appeared at the American Muslims for Palestine events. He was part of a a gathering of the Muslim Americans, the MAS uh, conference with ICNA. And ICNA, which has been investigated for terror-linked activities. I mean, with friends like Omar, you know, you don't really have problems, do you? 
Yeah, the MAS ICNA convention and experts as Discover the Networks has said experts have long documented that organization's ties to terrorist groups. No problems here. Let's just keep dialoguing. Greer then tries to take the parable of the Good Samaritan and somehow link it to interfaith dialogue. This is interesting. Cut nine. At the beginning, you referred to the, the parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. And one of the, the characteristics of that parable was that it was somebody who was very different. The Samaritan and the Jew had different ethnicities. They had different religions. They were considered societally enemies. And one of the things that Jesus was teaching through that is the test of virtue and love is not how fervently you fight for your own rights or the rights of people that are like you, but will you give that same amount of devotion and care to people that are not like you? And so, yes, I'm grateful for those that are fighting for, you know, Christian rights, so to speak, in the public square, but... You know, that's not really, that's just self-protection. That's all that is. That's self-interest. Everybody does that. You know, really what, what, what Christ-like like service is, is when Omar feels like that I'm fighting for the blessing and the rights of his family and his rights as much as I would my own. Because that's, you know, that, that would be what, what we believe that Jesus did. You know, and I think that that's, that's, a, that's an area that, that Christians retreat into self-interest rather than Christ-like servanthood. Is that what the parable of the Good Samaritan is about? Because that's not the parable of the Good Samaritan that's in my Bible. Where does it teach anywhere Jesus's words uh, of the parable of the Good Samaritan that it's not about fighting for your rights? It's about fighting for the rights of... That's not the point of the Good Samaritan. What are you talking about? What Bible are you reading? This guy is the head of the SBC and he doesn't know what the Good Samaritan is all about. The takeaway of the Good Samaritan is not that you can't fight for your rights. Paul even fought for his rights as a Roman citizen in the book of Acts, for crying out loud. I mean, the Bible itself contradicts what he's trying to do, the kind of ridiculous argument that he's trying to make. It's disgraceful. Unbelievable. Then... Let's go on to this. Suleiman said it would be better if religious representatives could detach some of these conversations from political platforms. Listen to Cut 10. As a Muslim, if someone is signing off on a platform that uh, wants to criminalize Muslim organizations and then wants to, you know, and, and, and targets the Muslim community with surveillance uh, domestically and uh, military interventions abroad and bombardment of Muslim countries abroad. I just can't take the claim seriously that you really want to include me in your discussion on religious liberty and religious freedom and want me to be able to practice here. So, but when we can talk about it as devotion, devoted believers, uh, devoted followers of faiths, what does it mean to be able to practice your faith unhindered in America uh, in a civil way, in a way that does not preclude you being a loving neighbor to everyone around you? I think that's when we can have that discussion in, in a more sincere way. Okay, he's very calm, cool, and collected. He's not stammering. He's not bashing his side of the aisle. He's just saying it straightforwardly. Hey, we don't like the surveillance. We don't like you coming after and investigating groups for terrorist ties because then we don't take you seriously that you believe in our religious freedom. Are, are you hearing what he's really saying? And I'm not sure that J.D. Greer was picking up on what he was really saying there. But if you go into the background on this gentleman, if you could call him a gentleman, you will see why this irritates him. Because so many of the groups with which he has had either a direct or an indirect association have run afoul of certain activities. And so you've had some government 
involvement in looking into whether or not there were terrorist ties to this or that or the other thing. For example, I believe it was Front Page Mag that pointed out that he had attended Maya conferences. Uh, This is a hate group. Maya is, according to the FBI, which says it is a conduit for money to Hamas, Hamas being a terrorist organization. So, uh, you don't believe that people want you to have religious freedom unless you stand up against surveillance against Muslims who may have terrorist ties? I- I'm not giving that up. Are you? We're going to come back. Stay with us. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters March 13th. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. North Carolina State University was the setting for this Interfaith Dialogue. J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, met up with Omar Suleiman, the Islamist cleric who appeared at a Bernie Sanders rally and urged people to donate to Bernie Sanders, the communist, and has said that Zionists are the enemies of God and has talked about stoning, defended stoning for immorality, and talked about chopping off hands, being fined too for theft as per Sharia law. So, you know, why not? You know, just sit down, have a cup of tea, interact a little bit, play some footsie, I mean, you you need to stand up and cherish the rights of these people to have religious freedom, according to J.D. Greer. That's what it's all about, honey. Uh, By the way, I wonder if we were discussing Baal worship, if J.D. Greer would say the same thing. We need to cherish Baal worshipers. We need to stand and fight for Baal worshipers to be able to worship Baal, because that's what America is all about. And we certainly don't want America to ever become a Christian nation, because that would be just indicative of Christians' fear. Yeah, try to apply that to anybody in the Old Testament, anybody in the New Testament who is a hero of the faith saying such ridiculous things. So let's go back to some of this audio. This is J.D. Greer genuflecting verbally, I would say, to Omar Suleiman, who, as you'll note, does not reciprocate. This is Cut 11. We believe some very different things about God and about salvation and about Holy Scripture, but that doesn't preclude that, that, that I can say, hey, you know, I... I want to lay down my life if that's what it takes to preserve your right to do that and, you know, you for me. I, I, right? I mean, is that yeah, the word I mean, Same destination as in we're going to dinner together. Okay. Yeah. I want to lay down my life for you Baal worshipers to be able to continue to worship Baal. Again, if you put that in there, it sounds insane. And it is insane. It is insane. Well, Janet, don't you believe in the First Amendment? Of course I believe in the First Amendment. But if he is the one talking about the need to say, thus says the Lord in a political context, now might be a good time to invoke it. Thus says the Lord. There is only one God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. Thus says the Lord. That would be a good thing to say wouldn't it? In this context, I'm not going to play pick a God with you in front of an audience and act like, yeah, Muslim, Christian, you know, just check a box, figure out which one you want. That's not proclaiming the gospel at all. Now, listen to J.D. Greer once again take the Bible 
and relay that it says something that this passage does not say. This is cut 12. The scandal of Jesus's life and what, you know, most biblical scholars will tell you led to his crucifixion was because he obviously had the power to bring this earthly kingdom and he just wouldn't. In John 6, he multiplies five loaves and two fish and feeds 15,000 people. And what's on everybody's mind? Now, what can this guy do for world hunger? Right? I mean, if he does that with that, we, look, he could end world hunger. And they saw his abilities to walk on water and raise the dead and, and cast demons out. And they're like, man, Rome would be no problem for you. You could throw off the chains of injustice. But Jesus consistently, down to the point that his own people betrayed him because of it, said, that's not why I came. One day, one day that's what the Messiah will do. One day he will restore peace on earth and prosperity and, and, and justice for everybody. He'll do that. But he said, mankind's actually got a bigger problem. And that problem is not that he's in the wrong political system. The problem is not that he didn't have enough money. The problem is, is that his heart is sinful and separated from God. Okay, the last part, fine, sinful, separated from God. Finally, we're getting down to some Christian theology, but that was the worst take on John 6 I think I've ever heard. The 5,000 being fed by Jesus did not invoke a response from the crowd that said, wow, he could end world hunger. Where does it say that in the passage? They were not saying anything about Jesus taking the loaves and the fish and extending that to the rest of the people on earth. Where is he getting this? And then he went on to talk about, well, I mean, in the end, I mean, Jesus is going to establish peace and prosperity and justice for everybody. No, he's not. What are you talking about? Is that some kind of universalist throwaway? I know you're not a universalist, J.D., but that was pretty sloppy theology because in the end, the people who will get justice are the people who are not putting their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's who's going to get justice. The Christians are going to get justice because Jesus got justice. He was the one who paid for our sins, so we actually will not get justice. We will not get justice. We got mercy. See the difference? Unbelievable. Finally, the men are asked to address the other's community. Here goes Greer first, speaking to Muslims and falling all over himself, not to offend them. Listen to this, cut 13. Yeah, for those of you that are Muslims and you are here, I, I want you to know very sincerely that um, we're glad you're here. Um, we, I, many of you, I don't obviously even know your name, and so I don't want to say something inauthentic, but we, we love you. We think you belong in this society, and we really do want to stand beside you. We want to be your friends. We feel like there are things in your community and the, the way that you look at life um, that is, that are beautiful. And that, I, I mean, one of the most enriching times of my life was when I lived in that Muslim majority country and, and was able to learn some things. You know, there's nothing about being in another culture that makes you look at your own and say, man, I kind of thought we had it all figured out and I was wrong. Um, and so and we really do. And, and, and I feel like there's a lot that we want to learn and we want you to be patient with us and help us, you know, learn what it looks like to look at life through your eyes. Um, and it's hard for us, honestly, because we're selfish people. Um, and so we only think of ourselves. And so if you can be patient with us, because most of us have not ever had the experience of being in a place where we weren't in the majority. And that's a difficult transition for us to make. And I'm just telling you, it's difficult. And, and uh, what I'm telling you, I don't speak for ever. I can't wave a wand and make it. But I know we want to learn that. And we really do want to fight alongside of you. Oh, wonderful. All right. Well, it's a difficult transition for Christians to make to not being the majority religion. So you just kind of gave up huh, there, J.D. And we love you Muslims. We want to be friends. And, you know, when I lived in a Muslim country, I realized I was wrong that we had it all together. And, you know, we need to see life through your eyes, Muslim community. And we're selfish. Whose side is this man on? I don't know. Here's cut 14. 
because I realized the Christian claim was all built on whether Jesus actually raised from the dead. And through that process, I came to the conviction that he really did. And because he did, the Bible teaches that that meant that his death on the cross really was God so loving me that he wanted me to be reconciled to him. And so he, he took my, the thing I could not change, which was my sinful heart and the penalty for my sin, he took it away. And he took it away and he gave me eternal life so that I am sure, positive, that if I died, even tonight, I would go to heaven. Not because I have any righteousness of my own to speak of, but because, because it's gift righteousness that God gave as a gift of grace. And so, yes, that is our conviction. And that is something we want to tell you. We, we promise as much as we can. We're not going to be annoying about that. Uh, I, well, I can't promise for everybody. A lot of Christians are really annoying. And me too. Oh, a lot of Christians are really annoying. Let's see. We're fearful. We're unhealthy. We're really annoying. Thanks, J.D. Thanks for standing up and representing Christians in such a great way. Because I didn't hear Omar Suleiman make one disparaging remark about his Muslim community. What do you think that makes them think of you and of Christians? If I were Omar Suleiman, you know what I would say if I was sitting across from J.D. Greer in this context? I would say, (laughs) score. That's what I would say. I won this. I won this. It's why he sat back with a very self-satisfied look on his face. And, you know, here was J.D. in his gym shoes and his skinny jeans. And Omar Suleiman was in a nice suit and was very reserved and very calm and very smooth and Boy, it was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. Now, here's the last cut. You got to listen to this. Listen to what Suleiman says when the moderator asks him to make a brief statement to Christians. You heard what Greer said to the Muslim community. We love you. We want to be friends. Your community is great. We can learn from you. Be patient. This is what Suleiman said. Cut 15. My message to your community, just become Muslim. <laughs> Foods that, that was a lot quicker. The, that was a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Join this faster. team. Just faster. But he got to the point, didn't he? Now, J.D. Greer kind of backhandedly shared the gospel. I'll give him credit for having given his testimony a little bit and talked about the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it was really backhanded. There was more pandering and more cozying up to the Muslim community. Please don't hate us. Please don't. We want to be your friends. We please be friends with us. And Suleiman's like, become Muslims, Christians. Well, that's what they're there for. That's what the Muslims are there for. That's exactly what the whole process of interfaith dialogue is for the Muslim community. You think these people are dumb? They're not dumb. They want to find some dupes that they can exploit so they can achieve their ends. What are their ends? Well, I'm going to get into that when we wrap this up. We'll come right back on Janet Mefford today. How much is one life worth? Most of us would say life is priceless, and we'd be right. After all, what is the value of someone created in the image of God? We're asking Janet Meffer Today listeners, just like you, to help us save babies through the ministry of preborn. How does preborn save babies? 
through ultrasounds. Preborn works with hundreds of pro-life pregnancy centers across America, providing free ultrasounds for women in crisis pregnancies. And 80% of the time, when a mother sees her little baby on an ultrasound, she'll choose life. It's that easy. We need your help to support the vital work of preborn in saving human lives. For your gift of $28, you can provide a free ultrasound to a mom in a crisis pregnancy. And for a gift of $140, you can provide five ultrasounds to five mothers. All you have to do is call 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you for saving a baby's life. The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up with Liberty HealthShare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty HealthShare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty HealthShare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty HealthShare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org JMT for more information. libertyhealthshare.org JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Well, I'm really glad you're here. I've been talking about this recent interfaith dialogue that took place between the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, with Omar Suleiman, who is a founder of the Akeen Institute for Islamic Research. He's an SMU professor and a real radical. He believes Zionists are the enemies of God. He's called for the destruction of Israel. He's pro-boycott, divestment, sanctions. Uh, And by the way, the Southern Baptist Convention has a resolution against that. So what is the president of the SBC doing sitting on a stage making nice with a guy who's diametrically opposed to some of very important positions that the SBC holds? Did the SBC sign off on this? Did the rank and file pastors and the rank and file Christians and Southern Baptist churches across America know that their president is doing this interfaith dialogue? Really? Are you now the PCUSA? Because you're acting like it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this issue of interfaith dialogue, because the, the line that is always used, and I hear this a lot from people, what's wrong with having dialogue? We don't want to be enemies with people. We do live in a pluralist society, Janet. We do have to have friends. We should be able to get along. I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. But that's not why the Muslims want interfaith dialogue. It's just not. Let's go, for example, to a French-Canadian website that I came across, an anti-Islamist website that really exposes a lot of these Islamists. And they quoted on this website Youssef Karadawi, who is the spiritual guide for the Muslim Brotherhood, quoting out of his book, The Priorities of the Islamic Movement. And one of the quotes from that book And later, a commentary was this. We only carry out dialogue with Christians in order to find common grounds that serve as a basis for further action. What further action? So they can genuflect to Christians and apologize for being mean to them and killing them. And we're sorry for the Muslims in the Middle East who have destroyed churches and burned down your churches and killed your Christians and forced them into tent settlements to flee for their lives. And we're sorry about what happened in Nigeria to the thousands of Christians who've been murdered there. And we're really, I mean, no, they're not, they're not talking about that. Two of the stated 
grounds, uh, the further action points would be, according to Yusuf Karadawi, they want to improve the image of Islam and they want to discourage Christian leaders from supporting fellow Christians involved in conflict with Muslims. See, it's the divide and conquer they want to bring about. If you can divide Christians, then that helps them. But furthermore, in a commentary they quoted from the same man, two of the other points are they want to convert Christians to Islam and they want to rally Christians against Israel. And I've actually been told this by some other Islamic scholars that part of the interfaith dialogue movement is to separate Christians and Jews from one another. Now, certainly Christians and Jews are not on the same page theologically. Jews need the gospel the same way we do. But when we're talking about supporting Israel, that's a problem because there are a lot of Christians in the world. So you got you know, if your if your end goal is to destroy Israel, then you might want to take away some of the support Israel already has. Now, this brings me to a very important point. I mentioned before the Southern Baptist Convention has passed what I believe are nine resolutions supporting Israel. Here's one from 2016 on prayer and support for Israel. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here, for example, it says, whereas the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement seeks to isolate the nation of Israel economically and socially. And whereas we are concerned by anti-Israel activities in this country within certain university campuses, academic and professional associations and popular culture. And whereas we thankfully remember that we are indebted to the Jewish people who gave us much of our Bible and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the messengers to the SBC in 20. 16 commit to bless Israel and be it further resolved. And this is key that we support the right of Israel to exist as a sovereign state and reject any activities that attack that right by promoting economic, cultural and academic boycotts against Israel. You reject any activities that attack that right. Well, Omar Suleiman has engaged in activities where he is talking about that and he supports the BDS movement and is that not a problem? <laughs> is that not a problem? Now, there might be somebody coming back and saying, well, I, we're having dialogue. I mean, you know, we want to reach people who don't necessarily believe the right things. Right. But there was no thus saith the Lord at all on that stage. I watched the entire thing and the video is online, by the way. You can watch it for yourself and you can watch the body language and you can watch to see who seemed to have the upper hand the entire time. And it wasn't the Christian. And you can say, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And my question is, is it the case that Southern Baptists are in favor of this? Because I just don't believe most Southern Baptists are in favor of this. Like I said, this is something the mainline does. This is the garbage that goes on in liberal mainline churches. This is not the sort of thing that conservative Bible-believing Christians do. Hey, have a debate if you want with a Muslim cleric and finish it by preaching the gospel to him. I don't have a problem with that if it ends with preaching the gospel and confronting Islam and saying it's a false religion. You have a false God and you have a false prophet. Let me tell you the truth and do what Paul did at Mars Hill. You want to know who the real God is? I'm here tonight to tell you. That's what you do. That's fine. But that's not what went on here. And the bigger problem that I see is when I go to the website for Neighborly Faith, which apparently is all about organizing these same sorts of events in different areas around the country. They have a map here with all kinds of pinpoints where they're going to be appearing. And they call themselves a nationwide movement, bringing Christians and Muslims together. By the way, Kevin Singer, who is the moderator at this Interfaith Dialogue, a co-founder of this group, was a Southern Baptist Convention church planter at one time. 
Isn't that interesting? But here's what I find interesting as well. When you look at the list of contributors to Neighborly Faith, let's see, you have Micah Freeze, who is a Southern Baptist pastor and also has done work for the ERLC. If you go to their website, you can see him there. Trillian Newbell, Director of Community Outreach for the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. You also have Daniel Darling. Again, he's with the Southern Baptist Convention's ERLC, the Vice President for Communication. Lots of ERLC presence here. And is this something that Southern Baptists are in favor of? Is paying to have these SBC employees working on bringing Christians and Muslims together? Is that what your hard-earned money is going toward? Because somebody better pay attention to this. I think this is rather important. And not only that, but you have InterVarsity involved. You have crew involved, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. Those two groups were involved in sponsoring this event at North Carolina State. This is a five-alarm fire, Christians, and that's why I'm bringing it to your attention today. Not because I want to be a complainer, a ranter, bash people. That's not it. It's I love the Bible, and I love the Lord our God, and He has done so much for us, and we let Him down when we pander and when we act like we have to apologize for the church, and we have to apologize for Christianity, and we're just so bad, and we're fearful, and we voted for a strong man. And I mean, it's ridiculous. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Remember what happened long ago for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. I call a bird of prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken so I will also bring it about. I have planned it. I will also do it. Do we not owe the highest honor and the highest obedience to the Lord our God and not to bring him down to the level of a false God and to grovel in front of this man who should be called out for his sin and called out for his radical positions against the nation of Israel. It's unbelievable to me that we're at this point. It really is. It's unbelievable to me. And I wanted to make you aware of it because I am well aware that many, many people who listen to this show are Southern Baptists. And you're going on about your life and you're raising your kids and maybe you're homeschooling or you're working hard at your job or you're involved in the PTA or whatever it is that keeps you busy at church. Maybe you're a Bible study leader and you're involved at your church and you love your local Southern Baptist church. You love your pastor. You love the friends that you have there and the fellowship that you enjoy. You don't have time to track what's going on with the church bureaucracy at the top of your denomination, but I'm telling you it's a five alarm fire because it isn't just this that's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's all kinds of things that are going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. And it matters even if you're not a Southern Baptist because this is the biggest evangelical denomination in America. And if you can see the leftist turnover of the SBC, that is going to have implications and reverberations unlike anything I think we've ever seen with any denomination in the past. And that is why I am trying to publicize this. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or be mean. I am trying to put a megaphone up to your ear and say, pay attention. If you're a Southern Baptist pastor, if you're a Southern Baptist layman, you need to get involved in what is happening in your denomination. Because it's not only a problem with social justice and with pro-LGBT this and that, and J.D. Greer talking about having pronoun hospitality for transgenders, when really what he should be doing is preaching the gospel and saying, you were created in the image of God, male or female. Let me help you understand how God created you. If we don't pay attention to what is going on in any denomination where things are falling apart like this, the denomination will be lost. 
And I just believe there are too many good, sound, biblical Christians in the Southern Baptist Convention to give up. Just don't give up. Pray for your churches and get involved and make your voices heard about this. If this bothers you, call them up and tell them. Call J.D. Greer's office and tell him, you shouldn't have done this. This was wrong. You should preach the gospel and don't pander to an Islamist. It's ridiculous. We got to leave it there. Thanks so much for being with us on Janet Meffer Today. We'll see you next time. This hour of Janet Meffer Today was brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe in theaters March 13th. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com.